Welcome to the Grace Place Weekly Podcast. No matter your size, age, shade, or background, here you'll receive compelling lessons suited to help guide your walk with Christ and your relationships with others. Please join us now for this week's podcast, recorded live from Grace Place in St. Paul, Minnesota. Wow, it's a great day of celebration. Um, Steve, could you put up our little quote from God? How many of you believe that God loves everyone? God loves everyone. Ask, we, we talked a little bit about, Nate was talking about this rhetorical question, isn't he beautiful? And in Spanish, it's, it's hard to translate that question. So I'm going to do that with you today. And I'm going to say, God loves everyone. And then you ask the word everyone with a question, would you? Everyone? Everyone? Use your hands. Everyone? God loves everyone. Now you ask the question, everyone? Yeah, I'm telling you everyone. God loves everyone. For God so loved, he loves everyone. How great is that idea? How big is that thought? A week ago, I asked you to imagine, like on the children's menu at a restaurant, sometimes they'll have a little, a little puzzle, a little maze. And there's always a little arrow or just an arrow head at the beginning of it that says, start here. Right? And I'm, I've come to the conclusion that I have often preached somewhere down in the maze rather than at the beginning. Rather than start at the beginning. For example... I have preached about faithfulness. I have preached about serving. I've preached about worship and I've preached about faith. I've preached about giving. And it's like the Holy Ghost is saying to me, hey, 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 start here. He loves you. Start with the love of God. Because I've heard so much in my ministry and so much over the years because it seems to me we missed the priority. We missed the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. How many of you understand that often religion has pushed past the beginning and brought on us the responsibility that we have? And it's about us. Church is about us. What do you do? How do you respond? What do you give? What are your gifts? And I think... I'm repenting, I'm saying to God, I think maybe we should go back and start at the beginning. I saw on television yesterday for just a few minutes, I don't know how I crossed the, there was a, there was a program about how our words affect children and they had parents and there was an interview going on. There was way too much good football for me to spend too much time on anything intelligent. But there was a little boy, about two years old, whose mother had said to him, I can do anything. I am blessed. I can do anything. I am blessed. And this little kid, they had this microphone down by him, and it looked like he was alone. I'm sure there were a lot of people around to do this production, and I'm sure his mother was close. But this little kid, they let him go 
until he was kind of unaware of his surroundings, and he was saying out loud, I'm blessed, I can do anything, I'm blessed. And they were just celebrating the fact that that mother had put that into that little kid, and I'm thinking, that's very positive. The problem with it is, it's not true. It's not true. That kid can't do anything. He can't fly. He can't leap tall buildings in a single bound. He's not faster than a plane or a bullet. We want there to be a positive mental attitude. We want a, a, our children to grow up feeling strong and healthy and good about themselves. But I think we probably first should start with God loves you. God loves you. And whatever he puts in your heart, that's what you'll be able to accomplish. Do you know what the word mojo means? How many of you ever talk about mojo? Got my mojo. The word comes from the culture of the slaves that were being brought over from Africa. And they brought with them certain ideas about religion and spirits. And... Uh, we have incorporated that term, meaning I feel my best, I feel my energy, I can pull this off, I got my mojo. And then when you don't have that, you say, I lost my mojo. Ball players, right? You come and you go from that place where your performance is best. And so we came up with this idea that you know, if you can key into that, there are certain foods you can eat and exercises. I, I enjoy golf, and I watch the golfers of this generation are athletes more than they are gentlemen. They've learned lift weights, eat right. I mean, it's become scientific and technical, and they've become athletes. It seems like that game would be so easy, but I, I watch two of them talking about how much they can bench press and how much they can squat lift and the hundreds of pounds they lift because they're, they're perfecting themselves to play this game. They eat right. They sleep right. It's become a, a, a physical sport, a, a scientific sport. And then someone will play well for a week or two and they'll say, he's got his mojo. It's like he's magic. He's got it. He's got the feeling. And I'm saying that we have missed I believe, missed the great truth that God loves us. Because when you're going through all kinds of hell and your world is falling apart, if you believe that, you've got the love of God with you. It's bigger than mojo. Because you don't lose this. You can be in a terrible mindset. You can be in a terrible circumstance. Some of you have been through horrible times where you thought you'd lose your mind. Relationships falling apart. You've been broke for a while. Some of you have been sick for a long, long time. And the thought crosses your mind, I'm, I'm done, it's over. Until somebody says, God loves you. God loves you. He'll pull you out. It's not your strength. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I want to tell you that in this church right now, there's an awakening of the understanding that it isn't my mojo. It's God's love for me. I am loved and I am blessed. Somebody say, I am loved. I am loved. 
Say, I am blessed. And I'm going to read a verse to you that we've read several times from the first letter of John, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to read several verses and then come back to a very specific verse and a thought for today. This is 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse number 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Say, God is love. He doesn't try to love. He is love. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He showed us his love through Jesus. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Would you leave it that just for a moment, Steve? This is love. Would you, would you read it aloud with me? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is so important that we get this in order. I have felt undue pressure to perform, to love God, to be faithful, sometimes beyond my ability, and I have failed because the requirements of the law are impossible for me to keep. But if I believe that he loves me, the pressure is off of me, and I can do what I do because I love him. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. First, he loved us. I'll show you in, uh, some more of that in just a moment. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, <laughs> God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And here's our verse for the day. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I tell you that God loves you eternally. I wish I had been with you when you were two years old. I could have walked beside you and taught you to say, God loves me. I am blessed. And I can do anything. Because in that order, you realize that whatever God leads you to do, empowers you to do. Right? God loves you. God loves you. This is, I don't know how long it's been since Terry has missed a service. Terry's at home today. She hasn't felt well. But a little while ago while we were singing, I had this sense like it was important for me to be here alone today and for me to hear the songs for me to take in the word, for me to receive the fact that God loves me. 
Because sometimes I look at Terry as an extension of me, or she looks at me as an extension of her. Okay? But I'm talking about me. So move to you're not touching anybody. Don't touch them just for a second. And I'm going to tell you, God loves you. You. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows your secret struggles. He knows your thoughts. He knows you. God knows you, and he loves you right where you are right now. He loved you before, he loves you now, and he's going to love you forever. His love cannot stop. He does not stop. Once you get that, if you can, if you can chew on that, if you can digest that, if you can get that in your soul and know God loves me, God loves me, how big is that to think that nothing can separate me from the love of God, that God can't be stopped, that with God nothing is impossible, that God loves me. It's God that's on my side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who is it that loves me? It's God that loves me. It's just not my pastor, my friend, my mom, my dad. It's not just my husband or my wife. That's what I'm saying. Or my best friend. Stay just so you For a moment, just take this. God loves you. You are the apple of his eye. You're his intention. You're his love affair. You're his only concern. He loves you. He loves you. And when that dawns on you and you begin to realize the love of God and you realize who it is that loves you, God Almighty, eternal God, then you won't let religion deceive you into thinking that somehow he might someday get tired of that. Or he might change his mind. And it isn't because of your behavior. It's because of who you are. He loves you. If you're breathing, he loves you. If you're alive, he loves you. You didn't come because of your parents. You came through your parents. God loves who you are. Hallelujah. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. Well, first of all, you have to really believe that he loves you before you can rely on it. I didn't know that he loved me. I didn't know that he loved me. I lived and preached years and pastored for years thinking that he loved my performance. He loved my activity. He loved, he loved what I did when I did right. I didn't know. I wasn't convinced that it was undeserved, unmerited. Love because it's who he is. But I am telling you, he loves me. And it isn't based on my performance. It's not based on how good you are. He loves you. God sent his son into the world to save the world. He proved his love because he sent his son to save us. God can save us. He's big enough to save everybody. He's got a plan not just to save us, but to show us how much he loves us so that we would believe he loves me and then I could rely on that. I wouldn't have to rely on my mojo. Do you hear me? I wouldn't have to rely on whether I'm feeling good about this or how well I sang today or how well I felt. I could rely on the love of God. I'm leaning on it. I believe it. Listen to me. This thought came to me two days ago, or Thursday. came on Thursday. I felt like the Spirit of the Lord said to me, just because the boy was in the pig pen didn't change his name. The prodigal's in a pig pen. 
He's hungry. He ran off with all of his inheritance, spent it crazy, and then he ends up in a pig pen, and the scripture says he was so hungry, he was going to eat what the hogs were eating. When he came to his senses, and you know what he said? My father, in my father's house, my father's servants. He didn't even know what he was saying, but he was coming to the conclusion, I got a dad. My dad. My father. I was taught... I heard if I sinned, I lost my salvation. No, just because you're in a pig pen doesn't mean that's who you are. You're still a son. You're just in a pig pen. If a butterfly lands on a garbage can, it's still a butterfly. You haven't changed who you are. God didn't change the way he feels about you. He'll just let you come to your senses. And I tell you, I think that's what I'm doing today. I want to bring you to your senses and say, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Just because you've fallen, just because you've gone astray, doesn't mean you're not a son and father. God loves you and is waiting for you to come to your senses. Doesn't change your sonship. Doesn't change the fact that you're a daughter. I need you quietly easy now. How many of you actually thought you lost that when you failed, when you sinned? Let me just see. Did, were you taught maybe that you lost your salvation? Let me, let me see. Come on. Put, easy. I thought I lost my relationship with God when I failed, when I sinned. Jolie, Jolie Wednesday evening. I was, I was pretty excited Wednesday night. Man, I want to invite you to Wednesday night Bible study. I was so out of my mind Wednesday night. Jolie, go on, Catherine, I saw her. Jolie came up to me after and said, you know, Pastor, we talk about sinners, but that's the only pool God has to gather us from. Just sinners. Just a bunch of sinners. And God loves us. Ha! He loves us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I love that. I love that. I'm learning to rely on it. I was relying on my faithfulness. I was relying on my maturity. I thought I would be smarter by that time. I just thought, when I'm 65, I'll be smarter, better looking. None of that's working out. I just am telling you, I'm relying on the love of God. And we rely on the love God has for us. So I went to the old, hey, do you remember these old books? Anybody ever seen one of these old songbooks? Remember some of these? Old songbooks. Standing on the promises, I'm leaning on the promise of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm leaning on him. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I now can see perfect, present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free, I'm standing on the promises of God. <laughs> standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, I'm standing on the promises of God. Some of you remember those old songs? Remember this? How about the last verse, standing on the promises? I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. 
I'm standing on the promises of God. I won't read any more to you, but there's another song that says, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I'm leaning. Somebody say, I'm leaning. Would you just look at me? Just look at me. It's all right to act like you're leaning. It's all right to tell us, I'm leaning. It's all right for you to act like you need him. It's okay if you're not perfect and you come in here and you're in trouble and you say, I need to lean on him a little bit. Somebody sing about Jesus. Somebody preach about Jesus. I need something to lean on. I'm weary. I'm worn. I'm torn up. I need to lean on something. And the Bible says we rely. Just lay down on it. Just rely on the love God has. First you got to hear he loves you. Then you can rely on it. I didn't know I could rely on it. I didn't know he loved me like that. But he loves me like that. Hallelujah. So there's a wise man, a leader of Israel. They're in a foreign country. They've been taken captive. And Mordecai sends word to his niece, Esther, the beautiful Jewish girl who has been made the queen. And because Mordecai will not put up with politics. Is there anybody here tonight, today get a little... Anybody get a little disturbed by some of the politicians? Anybody? Just a little bit? Yeah, I, I do. I get disturbed. I, I just do. It bugs me. They're human just like we are. They act like they own the joint. We own the joint. I own this joint. It's my house. Come on now. But this guy Haman was so taken with his own personality and his position he thought everybody should bow down to him, not just the king, but him, Haman, one of the servants of the king. And Mordecai, I wouldn't put up with it, just stare him in the eye. How many of you love that? Anybody here ever been rebellious? Just look him right in the eye. Mordecai, just stare him in the eye. Made Haman just mad. He was furious out of his mind. And without giving the king any of the history of what he was doing, he went to the king and said, you know there's a group of people in this land, in your kingdom, they... They don't obey you. We need to get rid of them. You can't tolerate that. So the king said, well, take care of it, sir. Go get them. And it was the Jews. He wasn't just going to take care of Mordecai. He wasn't going to take Mordecai out. He's going to take the whole Jewish nation out because he hates one man. Craziness. Mordecai sends word to his, his niece Esther, who's the queen. But the king doesn't know that she's included in this edict. She's a Jew. So Mordecai says, hey, young lady, you better go talk to him. I wonder, I'll, I'll read this to you. Let's go to uh, the book of Esther. Go to the book of Esther, would you? And I think I want chapter 4, 11. Let's go 4.11, please. Esther, chapter 4.11. All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. It's the only exception. If I go in there uninvited, I die, unless the king holds out the gold scepter. 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were returned to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. I think I'll, I'll read some more. Go to chapter 5. On the third day, Esther put her royal robes and stood at the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. Can you see it? Here she's all dressed beautifully, and she's out in this big hall. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. And he looked up, and he saw Queen Esther standing in the court. And he was pleased with her, held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of it and said to the queen, What's your request? Half the kingdom. Esther? He said he loves you. He's pleased with you. Now you got to take a shot at this. The king, the king can stop this madness in the nation. The king can save everybody if he wants to. King Jesus can save everybody if he wants to. Somebody's got to have the guts to go say, all right, I'm going to ask. I'm going to stand in his presence. I'm, I'm like you. You're like me. We know we aren't fit. But I'm going to rely on the love that God has for me. And when I ask and when I go and when I approach the throne of grace, I'm going to believe he loves me. He loves me. I'm going to rely on his love. And if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to go. And the rest of the story is that Esther made the king aware of Haman's plans. And Haman was killed, hanged on his own gallows. And the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, survived because a, a girl recognizing the madness and how destructive this would be, re recognizing this is the only shot we've got. Can I tell you that with all its foibles, with all its pimples and warts, the church is still the best answer on the planet? Can I just tell you that it's here today that you're hearing that God loves you? It's here today that the Spirit of the living God is saying to you, I love you. I'm not only going to spare you, I'm going to bless you. I'm not, going to, I'm not just sparing your life. I'm going to bless you and give you what you ask for. Do you understand? Do you, have you had a child? Do you have grandchildren? Do you have someone that you love that has asked you for something and you said, absolutely. That's nothing. That's nothing. I can think of songs. They've written songs about this very idea, this concept. Elton John sings a great one. I'm just telling you, that's no cost. It's no, 
it's no hardship at all. Of course. Have you ever had that? Of course, sure. Absolutely. I tell you that God loves you. I'm preaching to you today that the first thing that should have been told all of us, and now I'm telling you, this is where we start. We start with the love of God. He loves us. He loves us eternally. He loves everyone. Then we can talk about how you're supposed to love one another because we don't love first. We love because he first loved us. I've heard all my life I'm supposed to love everybody. I can't even love myself. But when I realize he loves me, it changes everything. This changes everything. And so when I step into his presence, he looks at me and he says, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you came boldly before the throne of grace to find help in the time of trouble. I'm, I'm ready to help you. I want to help you. I want to be good to you. I found out Friday that all of my grandkids were coming over. I sent out a prayer request. God, help me. They're all coming. All of them. And for the first time, because they're now getting to be teenagers, they uh, stacked their pop cans, like, you know, the people, some of you partied, you know, the beer cans. You can make a wall of them. Well, I didn't know they were drinking all the pop, all the sugar, caffeine. But come about 11 o'clock at night, they were as jittery and crazy. And I looked in the room, and there they were stacking their cans, Mountain Dew, Coke, Pepsi, stacking them up. I said, you guys, this is crazy. They said, don't you just love it, Papa? I said, yeah, yes, I do. I do. I love being around them. My, my girls, my, my granddaughters, have, I don't know how, where it started, but we got this little tradition going for the last several months, and that is somewhere in the evening after supper, after dinner with everybody, Papa takes them to the yogurt place, this um, frozen yogurt. I don't even know what's the name of it. I should have bought stock in the company. I mean, they'll come, Papa, will you take us? What's the name of it? Gogurt, yogurt? Ah, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Will you take us? What do you think I'm going to say? You think I'm going to say, no, you don't deserve yogurt. No. I say, well, sure. And we go. And I sit there and watch them pick around. They have all these little things to put in the frozen yogurt, you know. And uh, it costs me about 17 bucks every time I go. Yeah, three little girls want yogurt. And I sit and smile at them, and they all give me one of their little pieces of candy or something, whatever. That's all I get, you know. Here, here Papa, taste this. And I think about Terry. I think about my wife. I think about my children. I think about my grandchildren. I think about you. And I think I'm learning. I'm learning how God feels about me. Because he said, let the little children come to me. I love these little kids. Bring me the broken, just like the Statue of Liberty. Bring the broken people here. When he saw somebody that was sick, you know what he did? He healed them. He loved them. Had compassion on them. He saw hungry people, let's feed them. Are you listening to me? This is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. When he saw the world in its lostness, he said, 
let's show them that we can save them. All of them. Elizabeth's grandson was born. Ray and Kathy are expecting another grandchild through their younger son, Chad. Some of you have people who know of people coming into the world right now. And you would think with the politics as they are, with the madness as it is, why would anyone want to bring somebody into the world? Well, we've got a good God that's bigger than the world. Don't, don't be afraid. He overcomes the world. He does great things with people. And you say, well, I don't know. How is anybody going to tell him? And I, Elizabeth, you know, you, uh, how, how's that baby going to know about Jesus? Jesus will make sure he knows about Jesus. I said, Jesus will make sure he knows about Jesus. Somehow the love of God will come through. God's going to put one message out and it's going it's to confound the church. It's going to stop all the sign-waving people that talk about God hates that or God hates that. God doesn't hate anybody. God loves everybody. And let it be known here today that it's all of us, black, white, red, yellow. It doesn't matter what your orientation. It doesn't matter what your gender. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how confused you are. It doesn't matter how confused the church is. That, the church can't stop God. Stand with me, would you please? Someday I may get to preaching about faithfulness and giving and serving and obedience. I may get back to that. I may not. Because I'm going to rely on the love God has for you. I'm going to rely on that. I'm going to rely on the love of God and the blessings of God in your life so that you are propelled forward. You're just, you're just animated. You're gifted and blessed and inspired by the love of God to be kind and good and reclaim the name of Christian. We're going to reclaim it. What's it mean to be Christian? It means to love everybody. That's what it means to be like Jesus. Pray with me. Holy God, by your great strong arm, you have drawn us into your presence. By your spirit, you have spoken to us. And today, by your love, you constrain us. We're being turned around. We're repenting. We're asking you to love us so that we can understand that you love us. For someone here today, that means you're going to forgive them when they feel unforgivable. Somebody here has been rejected and you're going to make them welcome. Some of us are so hopeless been so long trying so hard and have done so poorly that you're, you're going to put hope in our hearts because of your faithfulness and I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe that you love me and I'm going to, re I'm going to rely on that instead of my strength. I'm going to rely on the love God has for me. If you're standing, take a hold of the seat in front of you. Take a look where you are. And then would you, everyone, just lean on your right foot. Lift your left foot up just a little bit. Just lean on your right foot. And lean to the right, would you, just a little? And say to him, I'm leaning on you. I'm relying on you. You are my foundation. Your love 
is the answer. This is the doctrine. This is first. From this comes every good thing. We are leaning on your love. Now, if you believe he loves you, would you tell him that you love him? I love you. I love you for this. It's not like your love yet, but I love you, Jesus. I love you. Receive our thanks and our love today. Open our minds and our hearts every day to this great word. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. To learn more about Grace Place, please visit our website at graceplacemn.org. Thanks for listening. May God bless you this week.